let's talk about what nobody wants to talk about. Hi everyone, and welcome to Yukon IM Podcast, an erectile disorders episode. This is Alatur Shujin, your host and a chief medical resident here at Yukon. This week, let me walk you through how to work up an erectile disorders in the ambulatory setting. Anorectal complaints are quite common in the primary care setting. Hemorrhoid-related complaints account for more than 2 million outpatient evaluations annually. The incidence of anal fissures is around 1.1 cases per 1,000 person per year. To make things more complicated, many anorectal disorders share similar symptoms. This means that a benign anorectal disease may present similar to a growing anorectal malignancy. As primary care providers, we have a unique opportunity to be the first ones to recognize anorectal pathology and start appropriate and timely workup. Just like with any other disease, you want to start with collecting history of presenting illness. Ask your patient if they experience anorectal bleeding, perianal pain, drainage, pruritus, or if they experience any prolapse of internal organs. Ask about their bowel movement patterns history of constipation or diarrhea, any recent changes to the pattern of bowel movements. Clarify stool characteristics for presence of mucus or blood. Ask your patient if they had any unintentional weight loss, abdominal distension or pain, family history of inflammatory bowel disease. Regardless of age, patients should be asked about prior endoscopic examinations and the reason why the examination was performed. Lastly, any history of unprotected anal receptive intercourse and any history of positive anal PAPs. When it comes to exam, you can only do so much in the primary care clinic. You won't be able to do onoscopy, proctoscopy, or endoscopy, but what you can do is an inspection of the anorectum in a digital rectal exam. You should be able to visualize perianal skin and look for any masses perianal abscesses, fistulas, fissures, condylomas, or external hemorrhoids. Digital rectal exam can be done in a lateral decubitus position. It goes without saying, make sure to obtain consent for the exam and have a chaperone present throughout. Communicate with your patient about every step of the exam. Provide adequate coverage and make sure the patient is comfortable. Digital rectal exam can help identify any anal canal or lower rectum strictures, increased or decreased anal sphincter tone, and assess for any stool burden within the rectum. Let's now move on into the system-based differential diagnosis. To start off, let's talk about perianal pain. Perianal pain can be diffuse or localized. Diffuse pain can be caused by pruritus ani, especially if external skin exam is unremarkable. Pruritus ani is due to hypersensitivity of cutaneous nerves rather than tissue damage. Localized perianal pain can come from skin trauma, external hemorrhoids, abscess, or neoplasms. Remember that condylomas are usually asymptomatic. Pain within anal canal can come from an anal fissure or anal cancer. Severe anal pain can be in the setting of proctalgia fugax, which is an anal sphincter spasm disorder and is beyond the scope of our discussion for today. Anal bleeding can also happen in the setting of anal neoplasm, fissure, or hemorrhoids. 
One key aspect you have to remember is that without a colonoscopy, malignancy or diverticula as a possible source of rectal bleeding cannot be safely ruled out. Make sure to collect family history of cancer and refer all high-risk individuals for a timely colonoscopy, as well as make sure your average risk patients get colonoscopy starting with age 45. Moving on to prolapsing tissue. If your patient is complaining of sensation of prolapsing tissue continuously or intermittently, it could be due to prolapsing internal hemorrhoids or an actual rectal prolapse. Straining maneuvers can help reproduce symptoms such that clinician can visualize the prolapse. Believe it or not, rectal prolapse can happen in the setting of chronic constipation. Straining edification can cause stretch pudendal neuropathy, which causes anal canal to dilate more than normal. In such cases, treatment plan should be focused around managing constipation. Anal prolapse that started with pelvic floor dysfunction can benefit from biofeedback or pelvic floor physical therapy. If prolapse is severe and is impacting person's quality of life, referral to colorectal surgery may be warranted. Pruritus is another common complaint, but is one that is more challenging to work up. Rarely, it can be associated with a parasitic infection, such as Enterobius vermicalis, also known as pinworm, candida, scabies, staph aureus, syphilis, herpes, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. But most cases will be idiopathic from cutaneous hypersensitivity that we discussed earlier. Certain foods, especially those that are acidic, may sometimes precipitate anal pruritus. Colchicine and some chemotherapy agents have also been reported to cause anal pruritus. Last but not least, let's talk about perianal drainage. It can happen in the setting of anal fistula, fecal incontinence, pyelonidal cyst, perianal hydradenitis, and perianal skin cysts. An rectal examination can help differentiate between these conditions. Many of these conditions will require surgical evaluation. Let's quickly talk about management of hemorrhoids and anal fissures. Majority of hemorrhoids can be treated non-surgically. For internal hemorrhoids, the initial management includes daily 20 to 30 gram of soluble fiber intake, adequate hydration, decreased time spent on the toilet, and avoidance of straining. If symptoms are refractory, laxatives such as polyethylene glycol should be trialed next. External hemorrhoids are also managed non-surgically in most cases. Stool softeners such as docusate, sets baths, and topical ointments with corticosteroids, analgesics, and vasoactive substances can be trialed. Referral to colorectal surgery is only considered for large-grade internal hemorrhoids, such as grade 3 or 4, acutely thrombosed hemorrhoids, or any hemorrhoids unresponsive to 6 weeks of conservative management. Surgical management options include rubber band ligation, sclerotherapy, and operative hemorrhoidectomy. The initial approach to anal fissures is actually similar to that of hemorrhoids. It focuses on restoration of regular bowel movements, consistency, and anorectal function. For chronic anal fissures, topical non-dehydropyridine calcium channel blockers such as daltaism and nifedipine or topical nitroglycerin may be initiated. Botulinum toxin injections have mixed evidence regarding efficacy. Surgical management has less than 10% recurrence rate, 
but has a possibility of fecal incontinence post-op. This concludes our discussion of interrectal disorders. Last but not least, a quick disclaimer. All opinions and views expressed in our podcast are entirely the responsibility of the authors and do not represent the opinions of anyone else in the Yukon Department of Medicine. The content presented is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in our next episode.